Daisy. And I'm Terry. And this is the Monday Monday Mindset Mindset Podcast, Podcast. where we share things of interest to us and hopefully to you. So let's get started with episode number 179. And this week, it's Daisy's turn to share something. Daisy, what do you have? Well, Terry, what I might well, probably have is some building noise going on in the background. <laughs> so I apologize if that's the case. It's around about that time of day when the builders might be going home, but they have been hammering next door. So if that's the case, I apologize. Not much I can do about it. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Can't complain. It's too early in the day. Okay. What do I have for you? I have a couple of books, not in their entirety. Obviously, it's too much to to detail two books. And I suppose I I did think about it afterwards. I could have tried to go and find a podcast about them. But there were a couple of books that I read, both of them, in the space of about a week. And I think they're pretty important books. So I really wanted to share them with you. I think they'd be of interest to you personally and hopefully to some people at home as well. Now, the first one is called The Good Ally by Nova Reed, and it was published in 2021, so uh, not too long ago. And she says, she's quite good in her introduction, she sort of lays out who this book is for, and this book is very much, she says, written for white people. And she goes on to detail that a little bit more. She says, white people racialized as white, perceived as white. So she sort of, you know, widens that category out a little bit. And she says she's very much centering blackness. And it's told through a black British lens, which is what she is. That's her perspective. And I think it's really useful and relevant, though, for all white people, wherever they are. So I think people in America, Australia, wherever, um, you're going to benefit from reading this. There were plenty of references and um, particularly to some things in the States. It wasn't too Brit-specific to make it that niche. As I said at the beginning, it's way too much in the book to try and cover it here. Um, so it's really more about my overall feelings and impressions. Having said that, I've still managed to write quite a few notes. But to me, it feels like a real gift of a book that comes from an amazing generosity on the part of Nova Reed, the author. It felt like, to me anyway, that she would be perfectly justified to be slapping me around the face with some of the messages that she had to convey, but she she really doesn't do that. Instead, it feels like she really takes you by the hand and guides you through and never really letting go of that connection. It's difficult to explain, but if you listen to it, as I did, and she narrates it, so it really is her speaking to you. Like I say, it's hard to explain, but she keeps a connection. She talks to you and she tells you things. There are times when she tells you, you know, take a moment. That was pretty hard to hear, wasn't it? Take a moment. Breathe. Go take a break if you need to. So you really feel like she's talking to you from that sort of perspective. It feels like a very reassuring parent. She's educating you. But while she's doing that, she's holding you in this really empathic space. 
so that you as a child and I and I really felt this you could really stamp your feet and sulk a bit so you know she allows you to do that she acknowledges it and she asks you to acknowledge it you know she, so when she said yeah if you're feeling uncomfortable <laughs> that's good but again you know take a breath go take a break if you need to so it's really you know when I felt with the kind of messages from her position her perspective she would be quite justified in really slapping me about the face with it you know you just you know you listen to this you need to listen to this and you know really jump up and down but she really doesn't it's one of those times when it's a good thing that you're not totally proficient in the Jim Quick speed reading because <laughs> yeah. I think if you were holding that book and reading it you would fly right past those mm. things yes, that's that very good really point. let you absorb and hear her Yes, and I think uh, it's one of those books that's important to hear it in her voice. You know, I, I really felt that. And I think, I think you'd miss something if you read it rather than listening to it, actually. Just a few notes about the actual book, just to give you an idea of, of some of the things that, she's, that she talks to you about. I mean, it's pretty obvious, really. She's talking about anti-racism work, but she outlines what she sees as the four key stages of anti-racism work. Uh, number one, listening. Number two, unlearning. Number three, relearning. And number four, responsive action. And she talks about curiosity. She says, it's your superpower. Self-inquiry, she says, is important. Discomfort is inevitable, but really important. So lean into it. Unlearning racism that has been normalized is probably going to make you feel quite uncomfortable and might make you want to disengage. She talks a lot about different terms and how they can hold us back, not least of all racism itself. She says most of us or a lot of people think of racism as a conscious, intentional overact. Very often we at least feel like it's tied to identity. And so, you know, if you exhibit racist behavior, that automatically makes you a bad person. But she says the problem with this is it just serves to shut down the conversation. And then that denies that there's a problem. And I remember this was a, a huge moment for me, you know, when you have these sort of seismic shifts. And that was when I accepted that as a white person, I am always going to be racist. And still makes me feel a bit sick saying that, but I'm able to say it and I'm, and I'm going to say it because I see it as, as a fact. But once I got used to that, once I got used to saying that to myself, once I got used to accepting it, once I got used to the fact that it doesn't have to be a conscious, intentional overact, it's not tied to your identity it doesn't make you necessarily a bad person once I managed to sort of pull that apart a bit then you can start unlearning stuff and being aware of things that are going on around you like she was saying if you if you hold it as this big specter of a thing you can't ever accept that you can say things think things do things that are racist however unintentional you you can't do any of that 
without and still be a good person and so you just shut it down and you don't think about it and you you don't you're not aware of it in yourself and you can't be aware of it in others and then how can you ever possibly act against it um so she says you know yeah you can be unconsciously racist you can be unintentionally racist and you can still be a good person it is possible at the very least you benefit from systemic racism and the societal advantages given to you as a white person. You can't get away from that. And talks a bit about white privilege. Talks quite a lot about white privilege, actually. But really interesting. This is just a, a, I'm just pulling a few things out of the book here. But apparently originally in the 1960s, the term was white skin privilege. And she, she talks a little bit about the, the difference in the nuance there. But... And this is where it feels like going back to that parental role. You know, she's going to educate you. It's, it's going to be a little bit difficult, but I'm going to hold your hand. She says, you know, white privilege is the sort of little bit, although a lot of people have trouble with that term. It's a little bit nicey, nicey term. But white privilege is the inescapable consequence of the construct of white supremacy. And I think that was one of those moments. Take a moment. <laughs> We have to talk about white supremacy and systemic advantage. Again, you know, this is a term that is so much less palatable, but one that needs to be confronted. And talks a lot about microaggressions and their devastating impact. She talks about how multiple small acts actually hit a lot harder than one overt act and has the same impact on the body as war veterans experience PTSD. You know, this is a traumatic uh, response. She's got a good TED talk about that, and I'll put the link in the show notes. I'll put a couple of other links if I can find them, as well as the book itself. And, and she talks a lot about shame versus guilt. And of course, that made me think of Brene Brown and the the trouble with shame. And she she talks often throughout the book about going into shame spirals and the problem with that is that you just shut down you can't listen when you're in shame and you know we've talked about this haven't we with Brene Brown whereas guilt guilt can inspire action and I think that was the shift that I had with accepting the racism as being a part of me I went from feeling shame to feeling guilt with guilt, guilt is guilt can encourage curiosity, can encourage action, encourages you to want to do something about it. You can carry the guilt and you can you can action that. Whereas shame, oh, it just you curl in on yourself and you, you can't do anything about it. Yeah, exactly what you just described. I was picturing it as you were talking. I think guilt is one of those things you can see you're squirming. And you want to resolve it. Yes. You want to improve. You want to do better. You want to learn. Whereas shame, you want to hide. You want to curl up in your turtle shell and not be yeah. seen and not be noticed. And that then also, I think, leads to defensiveness, denial. So definitely those two responses are very different. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I really think that. And it's a real workbook. She offers practical advice on how to work through some of these issues, how to address things when they come up. There's some awful examples that are quite shocking, but she breaks them down and shows how they could be used to educate and help. 
children especially but she actually gives you some examples you know so when they said this this is what commonly would happen as a response I'm going to give you an alternative maybe this is what you do because the chances are this is going to happen to you especially as a parent different things so um, yes really really helpful book just one other thing that I pulled out in my notes here was when she was talking about equality and she was saying equality is not the immediate goal in anti-racism intentional equity is equity means directly addressing the systemic disadvantages present that can cause more groups to experience social disadvantage than others giving everyone the same does not mean we are all suddenly equal or inequality fails to exist. And she goes through a, a long example about it, someone else's example actually, but giving everyone a five, a five pounds. But so much is dependent on the context and all sorts of things. Go listen to it yourself, it's, it's really, but it was something that stuck out to me. You know, when someone tells you something, oh God, yeah, that's, that's so obvious, yet it's not obvious. We all talk about equality, but, it's not equality that's important, it's intentional equity. And there is quite a big difference, um, but it's not immediately obvious. Um, so that's, that's my first book. And like I say, there's, there's so, so much more to it. I've just picked out a few things to give you a taster there, but I think it's a really important book. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That sounds like a definite listen to for me. Hopefully other people might even pick it up and read it, but definitely something I know I want to look at more deeply. And the second book, which I think came up as a recommendation, actually, I know exactly where it came up. She, uh, she being Nova Reed, mentioned and quoted from, I think, this book or this author's work a few times. And so I thought, oh, well, that might be interesting. So I went up and looked up the book and thought, yes, that does sound interesting. I'm going to listen to that next. And that book is Diversify by June Sarpong both British authors. Um, but June Sarpong particularly says that this book is written from a UK and US perspective. And it focuses quite a lot on Brexit and Trump, two things that were going on round about the same time. And it came out in 2017. So I thought it would be after reading it, it would be really interesting, actually, because some of the things she talks about, a lot's happened in the interim. I mean, what's that? That's five, six years, quite a lot has happened in that time. I'd, I would really like a sort of an update to some of the things she was speculating about. But so this, although it came up, you know, recommended in a book about race, this is, this is a little, but not really. It's about diversity, as the title gives the game away, really. But the subheading of it is Six Degrees of Integration. And she talks about this um, six degrees of integration rather than separation. And we all know about Kevin Bacon's six degrees of separation, don't we? But she says that these six degrees of separation show how we are all linked, but are we connected? And this is what she's getting at with her book. And so talks about the six degrees of integration, not separation. Because she says that most of us tend to really stay predominantly in that, just in that one degree of separation. 
And so she has uh, six degrees of integration, six steps or shifts. And those are challenge your isms. And she has a little test. You can, you can test what isms you have. Check your circle. Connect with others. Change your mind. Celebrate difference and champion the cause. And she talks about others and otherisms. And the book is structured into chapters of others. And other, she specifies as a demographic excluded socially, politically or economically because of their difference from the dominant group or groups in society. And she says, basically, if you are not a white, non-disabled, educated, heterosexual, middle-aged, middle or upper-class male adhering to a version of Christianity or atheism that fits within the confines of a secular liberal democracy, then on some level, you will have been made to feel like an other. So you can see there's quite a wide range of others she's talking about. Just very briefly, those are the other man, and that she splits up into black, Muslim, and white working class. The latter in particular is, is a very large, and she talks about influential, especially when it comes to voting, as a pretty large and influential group. Women, class, body, so she goes into talking about different disabilities, sex, she talks about different LGBTQ things, age, young and old, and the disproportionate value that is given to people of working age, view, as in political view, and then she ends up with a way in action, so uh, what to do about it. There was one particular thing that I pulled out as a note, which I thought was, was quite interesting, and we'll all be very familiar with this, and this is a term called splitting, and this is uh, where we we tend to, when confronted with something, just have it really extreme polarized views. And we see that all around us. And we and she's saying um, a really good example of this is cancel culture. And she says, we really need to have more conversations, more integration and more diversification of our own spheres. That's it really, just a taste of her book. But her book overall is talking about the need for diversification, but not just from a moral point of view, she says from a moral, social, and perhaps most importantly, because that's what gets a lot of people from an economic point of view. And so throughout the book, she talks about these different perspectives, the moral perspective, you know, for most people listening, a lot of these things are quite obvious from a moral perspective, social perspective, probably fairly too but economically you know that I think that was the bit that potentially was more challenging certainly to certain um, groups of society but she puts forward great arguments for the fact and she actually puts a cost she actually puts a figure at the end the cost of not diversifying and that we would all be better off morally socially and most definitely economically if we lived in a more diverse society. So it was um, sort of carrying along in the same theme a little bit, but much broader. And another really important thing, I think, 
to think about. So yes, so those are my two books. And I did mention that the, the first one was, was a workbook and she does have some different journaling ideas as she goes through and as you know most of the time I'm listening when I'm out on dog walks and things so I made the I made the decision early on for my first pass of the book just to listen to it let it wash over me and then go back in and listen to it again and doing some of that journaling I got so much from that first pass just from an from an overall and um, yes top tip maybe don't listen to the epilogue when you're in public unless you don't mind people seeing tears streaming down your face in public <laughs> very moving end to the book there was a big section actually on the danger of performance allyship and uh, you know me I'm a great overthinker so part of me was a little bit concerned about that with bringing it to you you know is it oh am I getting into that territory am I oh but basically I came down to the point of view that I'd be very grateful if somebody had shared this book with me and so I think it was very worth sharing and risking that there might be an element of that and I think the more people who read it the better so that was my, <laughs> was another motivation for sharing. Yeah. So I already downloaded the first one. I'll have to look into the second one, but I've already got that queued up and ready. Very excited about this, Daisy. And I really appreciate your vulnerability in sharing this too. I know these are topics that it's easier to ignore or avoid or side skirt. And so I always appreciate your willingness to hit them head on. So thank you for that. And I hope everyone digs into this at whatever level they're able to at this point, because I think it will help all of us. Yes. And I, and I do recommend it wherever you are in your journey. She does sort of say at the beginning, unless you're, you know, past the beginner stage, this might be too much. But go back to what I said about it feeling like a parent holding your hand. So I think, you know, if you've got any interest in, in digging into this, you will feel quite nurtured, held to account. Like I say, that, that good balance of a parent, you know, when they're sort of telling you off about something, but they're doing it in a way that feels like you're going to benefit from it in the long run. Very good. <laughs> and they let you stamp your feet a bit if you need to. That's right. <laughs> okay, well, until we meet again, I hope you have a very wonderful week. Take good care, everybody. Bye.